What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Combo Church Podcast. My name is Craig. And my name is Kara, and we are the lead pastors of Combo Church. If you are listening on combochurch.com, iTunes, or Spotify, make sure you subscribe, follow, and like. We love it when you share with your family and friends, and we would love it if you could leave us a great review. Our prayer for you is that the message today will inspire purpose, encourage life, and build faith in you. Enjoy Enjoy the the message. Uh, legacy for Convo Church is not definitely not just what we do. It's what we are a part of in the kingdom of God that's bigger than us. It's what is happening through us to impact other people in this generation for the generations to come. And when we came to Reno to start Convo Church, one of the things that was big on our hearts was to be a church that was actively engaged uh, to end human and sex trafficking. And, uh, and so we, when we showed up, we were like, you know, is there anybody doing that? And we found out that there was. And we're like, well, we want to get behind them because we honestly believe the church shouldn't just always show up and reinvent the wheel when there's somebody ahead of us who's killing it. We should just get behind them, support them, fund them, champion them, get involved with what they're doing. And uh, and by the grace of God, we had the ability to do that with Awaken. And so today, we're going to take um, our, our message portion of time We get to uh, interview Melissa Holland from Awaken. And so I'm actually going to invite my wife and Melissa, if y'all will. Can you give her a hand if they come and and join us up here this morning? Well, Melissa, thank you. I feel closer to you now. You are. Um, Thank you for for being here today with us. And um, and this is going to be good. And I told told Melissa in our our first experience, um, I said, be, and I actually said this in the microphone. I didn't say it like before. I said, be yourself. And, uh, and on the topic that we're talking about today, please don't hesitate to punch the church in the mouth where we need to be punched so that we can wake up and know what we can do as a church yeah. in this particular area. Yeah. Um, it's a wonderful invitation from a pastor to be told that. To be totally <laughs> honest <Yep. laughs> with what the church needs to do and how we can step up yep. in this arena. So for those... Hold oh, on. No, I want to no. do this in this service as, as well. I just want to honor your pastors. They, w- like what Craig said was legit. When they moved here, they sought us out. I had a meeting with them and they, they shared with me the vision of what they believe God has given over their church and what they want to steward, which is not to find as many causes as possible and go wide and without depth, but God put some specific missions on his heart to steward his church for and trafficking was one of them. Now, I've done this for 10 years, and I've heard people say that a lot. What I love about this church is he also lived it out, and he brought it to your church, and you guys have invested and partnered with Awaken in some of the most incredible, impactful, meaningful ways. So I just want to give thanks and honor to your pastors for living out what they actually said they wanted to do, because it's tempting and it's easy to just, there's so much that could be done. And they stayed on mission, and they stayed in that lane, and I appreciate you guys for that. Thank you. Well, what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing and incredible. And when we first met Melissa, we walked away from that meeting just kind of in awe, like just awestruck, like, wow, God, she's the real deal. She is doing the real work. She's doing the hard work. She's in the trenches. And um, those are the kind of people we want to partner with, the people who are the real deal, that there is no nobody else that's getting the glory for this other than Jesus. And that is that is the coolest part to us is that you turn everything back and point at Jesus and you're like, without him, without him, we can't do this. So um, for those who may not know um, what Awaken who, is, who, am who I? Awaken <laughs> is, who is Melissa Holland? Um, 
If you've never been to an Awakened banquet, I apologize if you don't have tickets for this sold year. Out. They are sold, sold out. Sold out. Three Which weeks is before awesome. the event, you guys. This awesome, never awesome, happens. awesome. Yeah. Um, we, the very first... We also don't hold punches back at the banquets. <laughs> no. We let it's 900 powerful. people know exactly what's happening. It is powerful. The first year we got to go, we actually... This, is, this was my first introduction to um, our own Chantel Brewer. Um, whoop, whoop. She was, she was she emceeing... <laughs> She was emceeing, um, but it was powerful for us. And then, so we've gotten to go for the last three years. No, we missed a year, didn't we? We can't. Uh, we say don't need to talk about anymore. that. We don't need to talk about Something that. Something happened last year. <laughs> but we, we, every year that we have, we could. We've gotten to go, and it has. It just keeps getting better and better and bigger mm -hmm. and bigger. And what God is doing through you guys is phenomenal. Um, but share. Share Again, with those. Who, who yeah. are we? Who, who is Awaken? <laughs> yeah. What is Some Awaken doing? Not know. So, Awaken is an organization. We are a local organization, and we work with local women and children that have been affected by the commercial sex trade. And so, it could be any area of the commercial sex trade. So, the most prevalent of which we see are those that have been trafficked. In addition to trafficking, it could be somebody that works in a strip club, escort service, online. Survival sex is another form where you're you're just needing somewhere to stay, so you're not homeless but it's somebody's forcing you to sleep with them just so you have a place to stay. So any form of a, a commercial, meaning like a, a transaction for sex, allows you to, to receive services from Awaken. And we have, um, it's incredible, the provision the community is, is allowed Awaken to do a, a phenomenal range of services for these women and girls. So we have, it was gifted to us actually, a home that we have allow, that allows women for up to two years to stay for free. It's a, transi a transitional home. Uh, we have a whole center, a whole building down on 4th Street, conveniently located by two strip clubs. Mm -hmm. And it's a drop-in center run completely by survivors that run the drop-in center. So cool. We have case management, therapy, mentorship, which is an opportunity for volunteers to come and become mentors to the women and girls we serve. And then we have a whole department, unfortunately, we, uh, this requires us to exist in this way, that's just for the minors, the teens that have been trafficked as well. Uh, and so case management, mentorship, therapy. And then last year, Chantel actually opened for us the Awaken Education Center. And so kids are now able to come to the Awaken Center and do their online education there at, in the safe place of our building because they're not always ready to go back into a school. And some of them need to do online education, but they're able to do it with the provisions and just the, the kind of the holistic resources that we can provide for them as well while they're doing and getting their education. Yeah, That's so cool. So you, you talked for just a second about your building, but I want, I, want, I want you to share what was the amazing thing that God did um, during a crazy pandemic year that only God could do, but share about your building yeah, with us. I will. I want to touch on one other thing that when you were talking, actually, I was thinking about this. When, when we were first getting started, we're constantly like, God give us a vision because no one else in the community was showing us how to do this because it didn't exist yet here. This was, so we're celebrating 10 years this year. So about 11 years ago is when we're seeking God. Like, and, and 11 years ago, not many people were talking about this issue at all. And there was very few organizations we could find even in our country that were doing this work. And so God really just, it really just came from the purity of hearing him on what the next step is. And one of the things he did, I'm, I'm sometimes just like, I get busy and I, I think I'm trying to hear him, but I'm just getting busy. Mm -hmm. 
so he's rude. He keeps me up at night. <laughs> and he did it for three nights in a row before I finally was like, oh, what do you want? Like on the third night, I'm finally in surrender mode of no sleep. I think he wants to tell me something. And that's when you're like, the, the defense, it's just, you're too exhausted to not hear at that point because yeah. you'd have nothing left. <laughs> and so he actually showed me, he goes, read Nehemiah. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I started to read Nehemiah and just in one through three was kind of like gold. And so what I wanted to connect back to like what you guys do in this partnership and in this heart and the reason it's necessary for meaningful partners. So one of the things he showed me is Nehemiah didn't build the whole wall. Like he went around, he first surveyed the land. And so we first figured out the scope of the problem, the prevalence, what are the issues, what are the gaps in our community that exist. And then everybody had a part to play to rebuild that wall. And if you read it, I mean, it talks about different families doing different pieces. That was their mission. And so everybody has. So one of the things he, he showed us was Awaken is never meant to be the solution because that means you get to outsource your part of the wall to Awaken. And we don't exist to let people off the hook. That's not at all what we're here to do. Everyone gets to play a part in the rebuilding of our community. And everybody gets their mission. And so it's so important when churches stay on mission because it matters to the part of the wall for the whole community because no one else was meant to do that part. So we have ours. And Convo has just, just keeps doing theirs. And so I'm super thankful for that partnership because it, it really does matter. The other thing he showed us, and I'll, I'll segue into the building. When we were doing this, the only thing that existed was one model, which is a, a house. And so we're like, okay, we got to find a house. That's what you do. Yeah. And so, which again, how do you do a house? Then what? And like, we're just writing down notes. There should be therapy. There should, like, we have no idea. Yeah. And so um, he stopped us and he said, that's cute, one house. <laughs> and I was like, a house is a big deal. Let's not minimize this. And he was like, no. Like, you can take a woman out of the brothel, and you could take a girl off the street, and you could put her into the house. She can go through full healing, but she's going to go right back to the same city that exploited her in the first yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. I want a systemic change. Good. I don't want one place that's working on this. And he said, I, want a, I don't want one safe house. I want a safe city. And so that's the goal, that's the Nehemiah, that's the wall, and that's the partnership, is the safe city. And so we actually, this last year, that's kind of the tie to the question about the building. So in what I refer to as the year of COVID, we were told um, the building that we are in is in escrow for sale. <laughs> it's rude. We are in this building, and you're selling it, and we didn't even know. And so we're thinking, great, we have to figure out where to go. we got to figure out what to do. And so we go to search for another building. It is not cheap to find real estate right now, last year alone. And so we found what was available, and it was like a $3 million building. But we love our location, and so we're, there's a lot of criteria to, to get met to do the work we do in the community we're in. We need to be accessible. And so there wasn't much to, to find, so we did find this one building. Um, it was like a $3 million price tag, and so you do what you do as a nonprofit. You reach out to a foundation, you say, would you guys be interested in coming in on this? It's $3 million for this building. Nonprofit said no. <laughs> it's a lot of money. Um, we don't know if, it, if you're actually going to be able to fully use this. It had another million in renovations it was going to need. So it was a big ask. And we just were expecting God to do something because we always do. Like, we know we can't do what we do. Yeah. We wait for God to yeah. show us what to do. But we so just good. keep going, knocking on doors, mm -hmm. figuring things out. Yeah. I will 
I will unlock a deadbolt door. Like God and I have a deal. He has to like massively show me this is a door shut. There's no way through or I will keep trying. And so that was one where he was like, I need you to let go and see what I want to do. And I was like, but I feel like we're supposed to have our building. And so we let go of the idea of that $3 million building while ours was still in escrow. But I really felt like we don't want to move. This is yours, what you started here. The same day we surrendered was the day the, the building owner called and said, the building cell fell through. Would you guys like to buy this building? Mm. And we said, yes. But it's the year of COVID, and so who's going to give us money? Because <laughs> it's a $700,000 price tag now. So we found somebody that was willing to buy the building and rent it back to us. And that's where we were at. But we knew God was going to show up. And so the foundation that has said no to the $3 million gift calls us back and says, where are you guys at with the building process? I let them know we're actually, we don't have to move. We found somebody to buy this building and they'll lease it back to us. And she said, why don't, well, why wouldn't you just want to own it? Again, it's the year of COVID. It doesn't seem right to ask people for money. And she said, you should ask us for money. And I said, it's a $700,000 price tag. She said, yeah, you should ask us for that. So we did. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Wrote the grant, submitted it to the foundation. In the process, she said, but we can't be the only ones involved in this because the building has a lot of needs. Mm -hmm. And so it has about $200,000 worth of needs in repairs, roof, HVAC, paint, the whole thing. And uh, we did a walk with a, another person from another foundation and then another donor. The three of us and Jen and myself we walked the building and we showed them the property and what needed to be done. By the end of the one lap around the building, the two additional donors discussed with each other very briefly what they would each cover, and they said, "Done. We'll take care of the whole 200,000 additional so needs." Cool. It's like Jericho. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, the, the the funniest thing is the, the the gentleman from the second foundation looks at us and he goes, "You know, this isn't actually how things really happen, right?" <laughs> and Jen and I were like, "Kind of is." <laughs> This is exactly what his God has done with Awaken. He did it with the house. He did it with the building. And so we now, we have permanent residency yes. and accessibility yes. for some of the most vulnerable in our community. And God provided. So cool. Yeah. So cool. I think even tying in what you were brought up with Nehemiah, because Nehemiah is such a, a powerful study in the same context of what God wants to do in our cities and the part that we get to play. Yeah. And realizing that even you saying like Awaken is not, the answer it's a part of what God's doing convo is not the answer it's a part of what God's doing and even for us as a church and when we came here like we're not you know we came here as quote-unquote outsiders right you know so we came here not with a hey guys good good news convo's here you know it's like so what you you're know? welcome right it's like anyway um the office quotes go into my head randomly but um but we came in realizing that like there are people who have plowed hard ground here for generations and that we get to be a part of the legacy of God through them um, and and now continue to be a part of the legacy of God through us and the things that, that you guys are doing and and us getting behind y'all so in the context of that term you know using that word legacy and you know when we say that we're meaning um, not just because sometimes you can you can just kind of get so personal about it in your life it's we we want you to know that the legacy of God through your life is way bigger than you yes. And, um, but, but is, but you are needed to be a part of it. Like, just like Melissa was saying. So, so if, as y'all look into, um, we, you know, say next year, but just the future and what God is doing, that term legacy, like what, what does that, what does that mean uh, to y'all in the context of what God is speaking? Yeah. So when, 
when Pastor Craig actually shared me what that you guys are doing legacy, it, it totally reminded me of this experience I had with God around the studying Moses and leadership. Cause again, we're, we're treading a path that had not really existed in our community. Um, and at the time there were few in the country we could learn from. And when we could, man, we would absorb as much as we, we were able to, because we also found that a lot of people weren't willing to share information. And so a lot of it, I'm just looking in the world for examples of leadership. And I would watch different politicians and the way they, they use their time for their term. And, and I realized, oh, that's actually all people do. What can I do for what I can put my name on, right, wow. in the time I wow. exist? And, and so if that's four years for a president or two years for a legislator, whatever that looks like, I realize that's the, the end line people seem to have. Yeah. And then I also, from an existential standpoint, our, our experience, I think we think we expire when we die or we go extinct. And so we are, there's a lot of pressure that it's my lifetime to accomplish something. Wow. Right. And that's all I have. And we forget that's actually not true. Eternity is already existing in us. And so learning through Moses, um, you know, in the, when, in the scriptures where it says, like, Moses was never going to get to the promised land as long as he was living. I thought it was rude that he stayed alive as long as he did. <laughs> because then they couldn't get into the promised land. And so I asked God about it. I was like, like, should he have died sooner so they could get there? That seems selfish. But it also seems like a painful existence to be told right. you're not going to make it. Right. And so in the beginning of Awaken, like, I used to have faith at the time the stat was there's 27 million people still in slavery. And so you put me on a, with a mic in front of this in a stage or anywhere that somebody's going to listen. And, like, the anointing happens, and I'm like, faith for every single 27 million of these, right? Yeah. Like, it's going to happen. But privately, I didn't know if that was going to happen in my lifetime or not. And so I was curious about this Moses thing. Like, it didn't happen in your lifetime. Because privately, I would wonder and I would ask God, like, can we have just one? Mm. Because in the beginning years, we were just trying to figure this thing out, and we didn't have housing. We didn't have counseling other than, like, me. Mm -hmm. And so it was a super, like, small beginning, right? But faith for the whole thing to happen. And so God really taught me. He was like, there was nothing selfish about Moses staying alive. What Moses did is he built the character of the generation that could go into freedom, mm. that could go into the promised land. And he sacrificed wow. his own ability to enter in there to raise the next generation up that they can access freedom and know what to do with it. Mm. And so at that point, I mean, I still wanted the one, yeah. but I was like comfortable not knowing because the whole thing is let's just leave it a little bit better off than we found it. Good. And that's, that's that legacy piece that God's really shown me is, is the part to play. Yeah. It's not about my lifetime. It's about w simply what does he want to do with it and let go of the outcome. So Just show up for so what good. he's called you sent to. That's yeah. good. That's so, that's good. Um, so along with legacy, I mean, that is, that's so deep and so profound that, that God would show you that about Moses' life. I've never actually had those thoughts ever, like, why are you still we alive? <laughs> I know. Why are you still selfish. alive, Moses? You should have died. Right? Why are you here? <laughs> but but it's so good. You also don't hear that preached much. <laughs> no, no. I mean, you don't talk about Moses in that way. Like, come on, let go, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> let go so they can go in. Um, but as you think even um, into 2022 and you think about those God miracles, like what what would take a total God miracle 
um, and what's on your heart to see happen as you think about going into this next year? Yeah, there's there's a couple of things that, that come to mind. One, I've, I've always wanted to see Nevada end legalized prostitution. Come on. Like, this needs to be done. Yes. Absolutely yes. done. We are 50 years into this failed social experiment. We are generations born and raised having only known the existence of a law that allows women's bodies to be purchased for a male sexual fantasy. This is not an okay society to raise children in. And as a result, we are also number one in the nation for our rates of the commercial sex trade. We are a sex tourism state because of this law. And it is, it is not okay. There is legal access for the enemy to run rampant in our state. And so absolutely against it. So, but in the flip side, I want to see men no longer purchase sex. Like, done. Game over. Because that is where the solution lies. It, it, what we do is, is out of the necessity. But men learning to honor and respect and live a life of purity, that's it. That ends the whole game. It's done at that point. So those are the miracles. Yes, Lord. Come on, can you guys, can you guys dedicate yourselves to praying into that with us? Um, as as our, our pastoral team with Melissa, with Awaken, we're gonna, we're gonna be praying about those things. Those are, those are huge, huge asks, um, but our God is able, right? Our God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think or imagine. And that is one of those big ones that we're going to be praying into. Um, and like starting now, let's all dedicate that we're going to start praying for that now and into 2022 that we're going to see this miracle. Because um, he says to pray on earth as it is in heaven. Do yes. you believe this exists in heaven? Then it's an easy one. Come on. He wants Come it on. to be on earth as it is in heaven. Yeah. Which means there's no more exploitation. There's none of it. It doesn't exist anymore. There's no more commodification of people. We are treating each other as though we are the image of God in heaven. Because we actually are. Mm -hmm. On earth as it is in heaven, bring it in. And I I would push that even further. You know, we, I think at times in the church world, one of the things that that I think we can all improve on is um, from prayer to action. And that does not mean that prayer is not action. Prayer absolutely is action. Prayer can move mountains. Yeah. And, but a lot of times we will say, you know, a little easier example. Somebody comes up, they share something that's going on in their life. You're like, man, all right, man, well, I'll be praying for you. All right, see you later. Yeah. And, uh, and maybe you do. But I don't know about you, but plenty of times where I've given somebody the I'll pray for you, I didn't actually end up praying for them. And so, you know, James, I love the book of James because he kind of gets up in our face a little bit when it comes to the actions that would reciprocate our, our faith, our words. And so, yeah, let's not just say we're going to pray about this to end because God's saying, all right, you're praying for me to do something that I'm, I'm already about doing. So now I need you to start doing what I'm already about doing. And, and so I would say that, yes, let's pray. Let's pray because there are things that we can pray for that need to be prayed so that mountains, supernatural mountains can be moved. Uh, but, but in our nation, at least as, as far as we can see sometimes, um, this exists because it's a law. So how do laws get changed in our nation? Don't, don't answer that sarcastically. Um, they, get, they get changed through the, the legal process, the law process. And so that means there needs to be men and women of God that, are, that rise up in our political system, in our states, yep. 
that won't actually say that they want to see it ended because they know that that will move the hand of voters, but people who will actually step up to do it because they believe it's evil and it's from the pit of hell and that it's not okay and that they're going to do whatever it takes, even at the sacrifice of their political career, to see this evil end. So so pray and do and uh, find people that will actually make that happen in the legal system. So you remember what I said about deadbolts and doors? So mm-hmm. we've knocked on that door for about 10 years. And so I have a board member that's similar in persistence as I am, Jason Guanasso. Yes. So we've tried to do all, I mean, I can't even tell you how many attempts we've made to get the laws changed from a local county ballot initiative to petitioning the state legislators. So Jason sued the state instead. <laughs> yes. So we, there is a lawsuit against the state of Nevada because yes. the, the legalization of prostitution violates federal law. And we've got two survivors that are plaintiffs on that lawsuit. Come on. And we Come said on. if the politicians won't, we will not stop. So there is a current lawsuit filed. I did not know that, and that yeah. is amazing. It just Ooh. recently happened. They've, he's filed one before. It got dismissed, so they revamped it. It's better than ever, ever. And it actually, it talks about, there's a, a national organization with a brilliant legal analysis and lawyer. She actually came in and, and crafted an entire suit about the 13th Amendment. Mm. And so it's, it's a wow. much better one than the original, uh, even by Jason's own words. And so this one has like incredible merit already to go through and, and hopefully we'll see change our state's laws. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So we just keep going through the doors. Yeah. We're not there, stopping. Check so the window. Are, it might have a crack. There are, <laughs> so there are things that you can do. So pray, yes. And, uh, and also want to make sure that when we say something like this, it doesn't diminish the power of prayer. That needs to go step in step with our acts of faith. So that we are, you know, when something like this pops up, then now we know. Now we can contact local and state political officials and say, hey, we feel like you should be okay with this. You should support this. You should move in this direction. I mean, that's that's the process, right? So so let's do it. Let's be involved. Let's be engaged. Let's not just sit back and and pray in our little corners and hope that that somebody else steps out and does the hard the hard thing. No, Awaken will do that for us. Well, Yeah, you want to know the miracle? Yeah. Tell the attorney general not to defend the suit, not to defend the state in the lawsuit. There you go. Say, oh, you're right. I agree. It's a bad law. We shouldn't defend this because he's the lawyer for the state. That's your miracle. That's you God. Go. Yeah. There's, there's direction. Yep. So make some phone calls. Mm-hmm. Make some, some angry emails. I'm joking, not angry. Just be, just be passionate. Loving, Loving. Passionate. Love of Jesus. Um, and I, I mentioned this in the first experience. I wanted to make sure I echoed it in this one as well. I think sometimes in the church world, if you are not, if you're not leaning into maybe this particular topic in our region, it's easy to either di- kind of diminish it and downplay it like, oh, it's bad. Yes, it's evil, but it doesn't, it's not really, you know, reaching into my life. It's probably not as big of an issue as you may think it is. Well, it is. It is. And I think even to what Melissa was saying, you know, we're, we're believing for the millions to be completely set free and for this to be eradicated and for it to no longer exist. Um, but at the same time, the same heart of Christ is for the one. Yeah. And so we're not supposed to act as Jesus followers in spheres of influence that only impact us in meaningful ways. There are things that God is asking the church to step up and be that might be distant from you and from your reality, but we still hold a responsibility as the body of Christ to do just what you were saying, which is bring heaven down on earth. And the things that exist in heaven, the realities of heaven, bring them to life here on earth. So so pray into that. And, and, and if it has been something where you're like, yeah, I hear about it, I see some of the stats, and other people are passionate about it, and so that's good for them. Well, make it good for you. And, and our, our hope is that 
not just our church and other churches around the area, but the entire church in our state will say, not okay. Yeah. We're not okay. And I was, I was blown away when, I think, was it, was it Lyon County that had it on the ballot measure two years ago, a year ago? And that there were, um, hmm, that there were pastors, yeah. pastors who were defending that brothel should continue to remain in place. Men and women of God who get up and talk about the Bible and talk about Jesus and redemption and salvation, violently opposing the measures to try to shut it down. And, um, and, and you know, that's, that's for them to stand before God one day. I don't have to deal with that for them, and I'm so glad. But it's unacceptable. Yeah. And, uh, and I don't want any of us in the church, in our state, to have to stand up before God one day and say, oh, I thought somebody else was going to take care of that. Oh, I was supposed to? Okay. So let's, let's be that. Let's be that. So, all right, that's it. I want one more, and this just kind of um, kind of help land the plane because, again, we want to bring in this whole legacy thing. This is, you know, Convo Church has a, it's a big role to play in our context. It's a small role to play if you, if you line it up in the kingdom context of what God is doing. But nonetheless, I want our church to realize that God, what God has placed in front of us is impossible yeah. without him. And that we're not just going to give to to drop, um, you know, pennies in the bucket and hope that God does a multiplication miracle. But we actually, of ourselves, our, our finances, our resources, our time, our relationships, we want to give sacrificially above and beyond um, to make sure that we know that what we are doing is going to go beyond ourselves and the whole legacy thing. So, so what would you what would you say to people who might? Um, want to diminish what they think they are possible of doing. Um, one of the things we say is that when it comes to giving, it doesn't matter what you're giving. It's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Yeah. And uh, like Jesus said, you know, the woman that gave the widow's might, she gave more than those that gave bags of gold. And we're like, that doesn't make sense. It was like, it does, because she gave out of what she had. They gave out of what extra leftover they had. So, so again, kind of speaking faith into people about, um, they were like, yeah, other people can probably do way much more but how can we get people on the same page stirring that heart of generosity for what's inside of them? Yeah, I think there's so many there's so much that comes to mind when you talk about this. There's I mean the the scales of heaven are exactly that, the the widow's might, right? Like we really think recognition requ- is required. Like no, being known is required for what we're doing and what we're giving and I honestly believe the the least known are going to be the most known in heaven. Right. The ones that like we're disqualified, honestly, because we're we're giving what was already like inherited proportion to my existence because I've got like I come from a good family, I come from good grandparents, like my life has got to be ridiculously sacrificed to even come close to the widow's might in heaven. Right. It's it's insane how upside down our world is compared yeah. to what they yeah. are being rewarded for in heaven. Yeah. And so I think we first need to recognize that and really understand it is, it's proportional to what we have, not by comparison to who else exists mm-hmm. alongside of us. But I also think um, money doesn't solve this thing. Yeah. And so it's not just about money either. And so if that's the, the thing we're looking at, money's never going to make our job go away. Right. It's not going to make ex- awaken no longer exist because it's not the issue. It's what are we giving for and what are we living for? And that needs to be Jesus because that's contagious. Mm-hmm. Jesus is where generosity comes from. Generosity in and of itself is not contagious. Jesus is where we become sacrificial because he modeled it. And so that's where we're then inspired to live a sacrifice life where we lay it down. 
So whatever that is that we have that we're holding on to has become an idolatry yeah. to say, well, I'm not ready to get rid of this comfort or this thing. And so I don't know what your lane is, but I do know everyone has a lane, and it doesn't have to be for awaken. It doesn't even have to be for trafficking. It does, however, need to be for Jesus and what yes. he's called it to. So By the world's standards, I have no qualifications to be doing what I'm doing right now. I don't have a history of trauma. I don't have a history of abuse. I don't, I've never been violated in a sexual way. I have no right by our standards to have a voice to speak to survivors of trafficking. Mm -hmm. It's got nothing to do with what we're qualified for. Right. It just doesn't. And so what we think we're bringing to the table, like you're better off if you think you're disqualified because he loves to work with that, Amen. like loves to. And so when you know you're out of your league, man, he can work with that. That's it. Because it, well, the last thing he needs is for us to take the credit anyways. Because yeah, all you're going to get is the credit you're looking for right now. Mm -hmm. And it needs to be him. The world is looking for something to matter right now. Yes. We're all in transition. We're all trying to find meaning because we've been in a pressure cooker the last two years. Yeah. And it is not be changing your job where you find that meaning. It is not. There's so much happening that's deception in the world right now where we think we got to make a magnificent shift to find what's worth living for. We are ripe to tell people about Jesus. They need something to live for and they need hope right now. You just do that and see what's next. You just live for him and he will open the door. You do not have to know where it ends. You just need to wake up and say, God, what do you have for me today? And that's my offering. And that's what it is. And he'll turn it into something every single time. And so you just start with the day and that's what you give. That's so good. That's so good. I'm just... You are you are an incredible human, and um, I just keep thinking back to that um, sitting and talking with you. What's that like a month ago? Um, just getting an hour of your time is so profound for me because the way that you see people, the way that you see even the church, um, it's so out of the box, and that blesses me. Um, and it, it stretches me. And so I just want to say thank you for being Jesus to people, for being Jesus with skin on, you know, that we can, like, when I sit and, and have a conversation with you, it doesn't matter how much time it is. Um, I walk away knowing that I gleaned Jesus, you know, does that, does that make sense? But you guys, Melissa has such a profound anointing on her life. Um, and I just, I, I know that, that God has taken you into deeper, bigger um, things that, that will require so much more of him. Does that make sense? Um, so this, the work anybody does at Awaken, we can't do it without knowing who Jesus is. Because it's, um, it's hard. And as the world would look at it like we're literally every single day around stories of trauma and abuse every single day and when you know his name is victory you absolutely can enter into those places and find hope and so this is the thing like when you learn to wake up and just say what do you have for today he adds to it and adds to it and adds to it but you have to learn to make sense into what he's adding to and so you've you just keep looking for him I the hardest place I ever found him was in Cambodia I actually don't want to go back there again. It was the hardest place, but I'm telling you, it is the most rewarding way to live, to be stretched every single day. Because that's when we realize this is actually what it's all about. 
this is what matters and this is worth waking up for in a world that it feels like we've been taken hostage. Don't you, don't you feel like we're in that space right now? Like I'm being held hostage. This world makes no sense anymore. We've got, <laughs> we've got to figure out how to make sense of it. And that's, that's him. And so you just take it to him and he will clarify the situation and he will show you him in it every single time. We, we want to pray for you, but I um, also kind of feel like I want to flip it. Would you be willing to pray for us? Um, oh, my gosh. She needs to actually pray for us. We're married. Isn't that cute? <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, we, there's, um, you know, I believe very powerfully in, in impartation, you know, something that God has put on someone. I think he gives them the, the ability and the authority to, to discern and to steward that anointing and to impart it and and um, and it's it is, it's not just a passion of this house. It's I don't know what other words to use to describe it. Um, but we wanted to be something that comes alive. Freedom is the heart of God. Yeah. And breaking chains off of people's lives. That's yeah. the heart of God. Yeah. And these women and men in some situations are in bondage, and the heart of God is to free those people. I actually, even, even before you pray, Melissa, like there's, I know there's going to be some of you here today that you need to be free. You need to be free from bondage, whether it's sexual bondage or pornography, or maybe it's other things on a different topic. You, you need to know that, you know, we're not just talking about people that are, you know, disconnected from who we are and where we are in this, you know, in our cushy reality, but, but the, the enemy's, the enemy's plan for slavery and for bondage isn't just in the obvious extreme areas, uh, even more so, and sometimes more powerfully, it's in the hidden private areas. And, and so I'm believing that today, um, you know, even Melissa, as you pray over us, uh, we wanna receive that impartation for what God's put on you. Uh, but we also wanna believe for God to, to set people free here in this place today. Yeah. So is it possible to do, have the worship team come back up again? And I'm gonna explain why. I don't know. Oh, it could be any team. <laughs> Anybody that wants to, to come up that is still here, because I really believe there's something on worship in this house. And this is why. And so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of share what I really have felt God do for me in your house mm-hmm. as part of the impartation and the anointing and also just an encouragement. So while I share, if you have a voice, if you have a talent, come on up. Those of you who are... If you play the spoons, it doesn't matter. It'll be anointed. <laughs> if you play the spoons. Jesus you are in the house, y'all. Team, our worship team, come no up. No spoons. No spoons. I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been rebuked. <laughs> just so, the spoon part. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just whatever y'all are led to. Because I'm just going to share for a minute so you can kind of work with it. And yeah. actually, I'm, I'd love to have you guys be a part of the prayer and, and just this word. So... Two, just over two years ago, my grandfather passed away, and my grandfather was one of the most important people in my life. And watching him transition beyond the veil was life-changing for me. One thing it did is, is I believe I got access, and I've heard people talk about um, like being invited into the throne room. And I thought I knew what that meant conceptually, but I had no idea what that meant in reality and experientially. And so I heard it and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. There's a throne room, you're invited in. That sounds spiritual. You're closer to God than I am. And then my grandfather transitioned and I was eager 
and desperate to stay with him in a, in a way that I just wanted to know what he was experiencing now and to, to feel that connection because now my two favorite people, Jesus and my grandfather, are together. And I wanted to find out what that was like. And I was at a conference in Nashville and I felt transported spiritually into the throne room because they're all around the throne room going, holy, holy, holy. And for a long time, I was like, why do they just keep repeating these words? Again, it sounds good, but why? And I believe, you know, we're not designed for evil to exist, right? But we're in a world where evil still exists. Imagine when evil no longer exists. The novelty of holiness never leaves. Holy, holy, holy. The novelty of it does not fade. It is forever, and all we can say is holy, holy, holy. And it doesn't get old. It was never meant to exist, and it is not. There is a time when it is going to be so far separated and contained, and we are going to only be in the presence of holy, holy, holy. Other than that church, the only other time I've experienced it is in this church in worship in this house. It happened to me this morning. It's not the first time in this house it's happened to me. It happened to me shortly after coming back from Nashville at that conference. And I thought maybe that was a residual effect. Cause again, this is all new for me and you just try to make sense of what's happening. It happened to me again this morning and it's been two years. And there has been long stretches of when it doesn't happen for me. And I know there is an anointing of worship for people to access the throne room here in whatever way that means for you. I know what it, it means for me. But worship is where freedom happens. Worship is where chains break. Worship wages war. Worship is an attack. And the bombs that the enemy has, man, they gotta go when we worship. And it defies all logic when things are hard and we are held hostage in a world. But Jesus paid our ransom. He uses the word ransom. There's a reason I use the word hostage. It's already paid. And in worship, we are freed by his ransom. And none of the perspective for the rest changes. So I'm just, I'm honestly, it's not even really an important, y'all already have it. <laughs> That's the gift I have seen in this house, is the worship. And I have been blessed by it. And I also feel closer in the throne room every time. So thank you. So I'm just going to pray that. And that's why I thought, let's just do it. God, we are, we are here because we want to break chains. We want to see you shine. We want to see you show off. And we know people have walked into this house with despair. God, we know people are looking to find meaning for the suffering right now. We know people are looking to figure out how to make sense of what is going on because the world's noise is confusing and chaotic and loud. God, we thank you that you have provided a house of worship, that you have provided an anointing and a blessed place where people get to walk in and engage in community and engage in freedom. So we declare your freedom in this house. We declare your healing in this house. We declare your spirit and we, Lord, we love your presence here. We thank you that the presence of Jesus is in this house. Holy Spirit, we give you access to do whatever you want right now in worship. We say yes. I feel like everybody that walked in was something personal 
you get to bring it to the throne room and make sense of it and walk away free with authority now over the thing you walked in hurting from. With the authority to take it on and then to bring others into freedom, God. So we ask that you bless every measure of faith that's come in here and that you continue to expand it. Increase their measure of faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Convo Church podcast. Special shout out to those who give so generously to Convo Church. It's because of you that this ministry is even possible. If you want to sow into the ministry, go to ConvoChurch.com and simply click the Give button. It's that easy. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, follow, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories and tag us at Combo Church. Thanks again for listening, and make sure you tune in to the next episode of the Combo Church Podcast.